Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. So let's get to the truth of the matter. Let's get to the Scriptures. Tonight we are in one of Christ's many parables. Um, Who knows here that Christ taught through parables? It was his favorite way to teach. In fact, he taught over 30 parables in his three-year ministry. Uh, We talked about the the parable of the prodigal son a couple weeks ago. So we have a different one tonight. Someone open up your Bible, boot it up, turn it on. It's Matthew chapter 25. That's where we're going to get in the Word of God. Anyone remember sword drills in youth group? Yeah, sword drills. That's what we're doing right now. Turn on your Bible. Boot it up, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30 is where we will be. This parable I love because this parable is called the parable of bags of gold. Yeah, bags of gold. You KJV people might know it as the parable of talents. Heard of that one, the parable of talents. But, but bags of gold is way more gangster. So we're going to hang with bags of gold tonight in the NIV that we'll be reading from. Bags of gold are better than bags of candy. So you made a good decision to be here, even though you got one or two on your seat when you came in. Sadly, there is no bag of gold under your chair, like there was a trophy a few weeks ago. Who was, who here, who was here for that night? You got your trophy? I hope it's still on your desk somewhere. That's good. That's good. Um, let's get started. Look to your neighbor. Choose one, anyone for now. And say, you got the bag? No, no, bro, like, you you got the bag? Just a little bit like a drug dealer. Yo, you got the bag? Yeah? Okay, now that I've talked about drug dealers, we should probably start reading the Bible before we get too out of control here. Let's do that. Let's read the Word of God. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. It's going to come up on the screen. Again, because this is the second parable in the chapter. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, he gave two bags. And to another one, he gave one, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Would you choose a neighbor? You know how I do. The one whom you love. Come on, get going. This is church. You should love everybody. Choose a neighbor. It's not weird. The one whom you love. Come on, married people, if you're not looking at each other. The one whom you love. This doesn't get old. You ready? You got him? I don't trust you. I'm coming out here. You got him? You got the one who you love? Okay, tell him you got five. Okay, now go to the one you love a little bit less that you've been ignoring. You hoped I wouldn't go to them. Okay, you got them? You got them? Say, you got two. Come on, say it better than that. You got two. Okay, now preach to the person that I really want you to preach to tonight. Take your finger and point it right at your heart. Say, I got one. No, no, no. Say, I got one. Okay, that's what we're going to preach about tonight. What do you do when they get five 
and they get two, but I only got one. Let's make this more personal. I heard there were some youth groups, young adult groups that came. Um, where are you at? Connexus Church, Embassy Church. Embassy here, Embassy's over here. I already shouted y'all out, so let's, let's go over here. Let's go over here. Okay, um, what's your name, bro? Ryan? Brian. I was going to say that's so cool because that's my name. But Brian is also very cool. Okay, Brian, you got one, okay? You got one. You cool with that? You already learned the parable. That's amazing. What's your name, bro? Jaden? Jaden. Okay, tell Jaden he's got five. Okay, Jaden's got five. Keep track. Brian's got one. What's your name, bro? Shay? Shay, that's easy. That's a sick name. I like that. Shay. Okay, Shay's got two. Tell him he's got two. Okay, so we got one bag Brian, one bag Brian right here, five bag Jaden, that's right, and two bag Shay. Okay, so that's what we're going to rock with. Nobody forget about one bag Brian, especially him, okay? That's what we're going to go through tonight. Let's keep reading. Verse 16, the man who received five bags, Jaden, he's rolling, he's bougie, okay? The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. And what did he do? He gained five more bags. So also, the one with two bags of gold, Shay, give it up for Shay. Give these guys a round of applause. I'm just putting them out in front of all of you. Okay. Shay has got two bags of gold. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag, one bag Brian. I hope you got thick skin, bro. I'm sorry. This is not a good illustration. One bag Brian went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And then verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. My friends at the river, that is where we are right now. We are sitting in the long time. Your master has given you talents. He has given you abilities, but there is a day coming where he will return to settle his accounts. Anyone know that and believe that and can receive that in love? That day is coming, and I don't know that that day is going to be so far. But that's where we are right now. Keep reading. Verse 20. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. Everybody give Jaden a round of applause. Jaden is faithful. God gave Jaden five, and he made five more in his raptor's hoodie looking good while he did it. Okay? His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. If you haven't figured it out yet, this, in this parable, the master is God. The servants are people like you and me. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man with two bags of gold also came, two bags Shay. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. Shay is doing it right too. His master replied, what, what did he say? He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Guys, sharing in your master's happiness, the creator of the universe. This is called sharing in the joy of the Lord. There is nothing that could be better, okay? Jaden and Shay are doing it right. Five bag and two bag have this thing figured out. And just take note of something, okay? Jaden had five and he gained five. Shay had two and he gained two, but they both got the same response. 
God rewards faithfulness. The master rewarded their faithfulness. It wasn't about the number. It was about their faithfulness. Let's keep reading verse 24. Oh, boy, Brian, I hope you're ready for this. You can leave now if you want to. I won't judge you. Then the man who had received one bag of gold, <coughs> Brian, master, he said, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering seed where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Take it. Everyone can go, Brian. No, no, no. Brian. This is not the move, Brian. This is not the move. What does one bag Brian do? He shifts the blame. He goes to the master. He doesn't even wait for the master to come to him because he knows one day he's going to have to settle his accounts. And he tells his master that it's his master's fault, that he's unfair. He's a hard man. He reaps where he doesn't sow. Brian would never do this, by the way, okay? But the, the biblical, fictional, parable character did. What do we get in response? Verse 26, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. And now... The master gets a little sassy. So you knew that I harvest where I haven't sown and gather seed where I have not scattered it. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. So then what happens next to one bag, Brian? Take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Jaden, just take his bag right now. Can you take it just... Fictionally, you just grab that bag from him. He doesn't want to give it up. Look at this. This is what happens. And then verse 29, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And Brian, this is where it gets real rough, bro. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Would you give it up for Brian having to endure that? Thank you, Brian. You're the man. You know, verse 30 used to bother me. I was like, how can a loving God respond that way? But then I really studied it, and I realized that, that the third servant here is not being punished because he didn't accomplish enough for the master, because he didn't make the master enough money. He's not being damned even for his disobedience. Rather, his actions have proven that he is not a true servant. See, this is not what a servant does to their master. See, one bag Brian, sorry, bro, I'll stop soon, is not losing his servanthood. He's proving to his master that he really never had it. He was looking out for himself, not for his master. And there is a place, unfortunately, where we all go if we do not become servants of our master. That's what is occurring here. There's so much that we can learn from this parable, and we're going to break it down. The parable of talents, the parable of bags of gold is a warning to us. This is a warning about the fact that the master is coming back one day to settle his accounts. So we have to understand it, because when God gives us a warning, we have to take heed from it. So the first thing that you need to understand is what is a talent? 
What is a talent in this scripture? See, we know the English word, a talent. You heard those talented people on the stage a minute ago using their talents and their abilities, singing and worshiping the Lord. But that word, talent, actually comes from a Greek word called talento, which sounds almost the same. And that English word actually comes from this story in the Bible. So much of your language is even based off of your Bible. It comes from it, but it's not... The Greek word, the original word in the text, it's not describing abilities. It's not describing what we understand as talents today. A talent, my friends, was a measurement. A talent was a weight. And in fact, if you go back and study, it wasn't a lightweight. When something was a talent, it weighed 80 pounds. 80 pounds. What in this context is 80 pounds? It's 80 pounds of gold. A bag of 80 pounds of gold, that's what one talent was. And I did some digging and I did some math and some research on this. The gold that would have been in that bag that day was called a gold denarii. This was the currency of the Roman Empire during the time of Christ. And one gold denarii was equivalent to one day's wage. An average one day's wage in that land. Well, today, an average day's wage is $200. I looked it up. In Canada, that is what the average person makes when they work an entire day. It's about $200 per day that is the average income today. So, I did more math. How much does one gold denarii weigh? And how many denarii would go into a talent which is 80 pounds? Y'all, it is 6,000 gold coins. That is 6,000 days wages. And I did the math even more. 6,000 times 200 bucks a day today, do you know how much that is? It's $1.2 million. One bag, Brian, you had $1.2 million, bro. Look at him smiling. You could almost buy a house, not quite. <laughs> but that's a lot. I think we can all agree that's a lot. Would you look to your neighbor and say, I've got a lot. Come on, remember, you got one bag. Say, I've got a lot. That's the title of this message I'm trying to bring to you tonight, is that it's a lot. The truth of the matter is that you have been given, and I have been given a lot. We are blessed people, but the enemy has a trick to try to stop you from seeing it, and that trick, my friends, is this nasty tool called comparison. See, one bag Brian couldn't see his $1.2 million because he was busy looking at his bro to his right who had five bags and his other bro who had two bags. When he's sitting there with $1.2 million, that is the enemy's trick is to get, what you, get you to compare what you have to what they have and then to resent your master for giving it to them and not to you, and if he really wins, to get you to that point where you will curse your master and just dig it in the ground and bury it. That is what the enemy wants you to do. It's a lot that you have. It's not a little. Did you know that the average person today plays that game of comparison and rolls in comparison university in their mind on average for 12% of the day? That's almost three hours of your day that you were either directly or indirectly comparing yourself to someone else. That is a lot of your day spent comparing, and I want to tell you tonight that you got to stop it. 
that I got to stop it because when we compare, that's when the devil wins. What they have might be different from what you have. That absolutely is probably true. But different does not mean that what you have is not enough. See, one bag Brian, the third servant, he just dug a hole and buried it. Because he says, what could I do with this? This is only one. They got five. I'm not even going to use my one. I'm just going to be mad about it. But just because you have less doesn't mean that you don't have enough. God has called each of us, every single one of you in this room, to a purpose. He has a plan for your life, and it's a good plan. Plans to prosper you. Plans of a hope and a future, not to harm you. I hope you believe that. That is God's heart towards you. And you can rest assured that what he has given you, whether it's one right now, two right now, or five right now, what he has given you will be enough. You know why? Because of this. God does not make withdrawals from places where he has not already made deposits. He does not make withdrawals from places and people where he has not made deposits. Don't walk out of the game just because you haven't seen the deposit slip yet. It's there. He has made that deposit in your life. He has given you exactly what you need for your purpose, your assignment, and your calling. I promise that is true to you. But the devil wants you to compare and to live in fear and to be angry about it so you'll get paralyzed and just like that third servant, dig and put underground what God has given you. But you have what you need for your calling. The danger is when we start looking into other people's callings. And we stop looking at the arena that God has called us to serve into. And we start looking at her arena and his arena. And we go, but I don't have enough. I could never do that. That's fine right now. You are called to do that right now. He has given you what you need for the season that you are in. If you do that, and you live your life looking at other people's calling, other people's purposes, what will happen to you is you will become so insecure that you'll bury it. And you'll just throw it under the ground. It's not enough. I could never try. I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough ability. I'm not good looking enough. I don't have enough confidence. So I'm just going to dig it under the ground and bury it. That is what the enemy wants to do. But my friends, it is foolish to compare what they have with what you have when what they have is for an entirely different purpose. I heard it taught this one day. How ridiculous would it be for a lion, the king of the jungle, to walk around in fear because it can't swim in the ocean like a shark? You look at someone else's purpose and you realize that you can't do what they do, you will become paralyzed. The lion is the king of the jungle. It doesn't need to swim. It doesn't need to breathe underwater. God has given you what you need for your purpose. It's the trick of the devil to get you to compare until you bury it and maybe even curse your master. But here's the good news. All those tricks that the devil has been playing on you, you know those voices that you hear from the enemy telling you that you're not enough, that you're not going to make it, that it will always be this way? The good news is what John chapter 8, verse 44 says. It says this, that the devil is a liar. 
that lying is his native tongue. Come on, you should get excited about the fact that the devil is a liar. Let me tell you why. Because he doesn't just tell lies, all he can do is lie. So think about it, be analytical for a second. If he says you don't have enough, that's a lie. What does that mean? That means you have more than enough. When he says that you're too old and there's no way you could do it, that must be a lie. That must be, mean that your story's not finished. You're just getting started. When he says you're addicted and you've been addicted for eight years, so you'll be addicted for the rest of your life, guess what? He's lying again. So you can take it to the bank that the opposite is true. The devil is a liar. It's all he knows how to do. And what he can't have you knowing is that your one bag is actually a lot. He needs you to think that the cards that you have been dealt aren't enough and that they will never be enough. He can't have you knowing that it's $1.2 million, that it's significant, that you are significant. Would somebody just shout right now, it's a lot? I need to know you're awake. Shout right, that was good on this side. How about this side? It's a lot. Yes, that's right. It's a lot. And the question we got to ask is, why are we looking what they get, what, what they have anyway? What does it matter what Jaden has or what Shay has? Why are we not looking at what we have? Even better yet, why are we not looking at our master? Because I thought we were his servants. I thought he was just trusting it to us. But see, at some point, we start thinking that it's ours and that everything in this life is ours. And we stop saying thank you to our master. Even when he gives us 20 years wages, 6,000 gold coins. Guys, tonight is time that we stop being bitter. Even in the seasons where we think we only got one. Where we didn't get what they got. You know that most people in your life that you look up to, that you idolize, that I idolize, I shouldn't. But the people, you know, Someone who's an incredible basketball player, professional, someone who's a professional singer, you know most of them are only good at one thing, right? Like, they don't even know how to pay their taxes or do their laundry. Like, like they're only good at one thing. Just because you got one doesn't mean that you don't have a lot. See, what matters is what you do with what God gives you. If you've got one, you've got a lot. How about this? If you've got the one, then you've got a lot. If you've got him in your corner, then you're going to win. You're going to make it. Because you have the one. You've got a lot. But I know it's hard right now. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like a lot. Because I know in my life, sometimes it doesn't feel like a lot. And I, I don't realize that it's a lot sometimes. And, and I've had seasons in my life where I've acted entitled, where I've, I've acted spoiled. And then I started going on missions trips, and I went to this country called Nicaragua. If you know it, it's in Central America. It's the second poorest place in the Western Hemisphere. Speaking of average incomes, the average income there today is still $1 per day. The average person makes $365 a year. You make more than that in two days. They make that in an entire year. See. I started looking at my life at what maybe some of my friends had, 
at what other people that were successful had, and I didn't believe that it's a lot. I thought it was a little. And then I walked into a landfill where people were carving their homes out of trash, where a dirt floor would have been an upgrade. And then I go, wow, I don't have what he has, or maybe I don't have what she has, at least not yet, but I've got a lot. I've seen what some have, and I've got a lot. So that's the first point to you tonight is that it's a lot. Here's the second point. It's not just a lot. It's his. What he has given you is his. We love to make it all about us. But do we remember who our, who our blessings actually belong to? Are we the master or are we the servant in this story? Yeah, this is hard preaching. I know that's why I needed that whole trick or truth thing at the beginning to get your authority to preach this. Do, do we remember what our position is? Are we the servants or are we our own masters? Because what we got to understand is that he gave us all that we have and he made you exactly as you are. And guess what? He made you in his image. That means that you are not junk. What you have is not junk because he is not junk and you are made in his image. So when we look at what we've got and we trash it, you know what we're doing? When we're trashing ourselves, we're trashing our master. Because you are your master's masterpiece. You are his greatest work. So when we trash us, we trash him. Everything that we are and that we have belongs to him. And Christians, let's be real, we struggle with this one. The Bible tells us to give 10% back to God's church. What? 10% of my money? Uh-uh. You know how much rent is, God? No way. Nuh-uh, I'm not doing that. Maybe when I'm richer, I'll do that, give 10% to the church. I just, I don't like that part of the Bible. That must have been an allegory. That part's not right. That's what we do. But what if we had a perspective shift? What if it wasn't that we gave him 10%? What if it was that he let us keep 90? What if we realized... <laughs> That everything we have is his, and he's coming back one day to settle accounts. Ooh, this is hard preaching. This is my favorite type. I can't believe y'all clapped for that. <laughs> what if we had that kind of perspective shift? Because, guys, all that we have came from him. And one day, verse 19 said that he's coming back and that we will have to give an account. It's one thing in life to gamble your own money, to waste away your own talent to waste away your own abilities. It's another thing to waste away your masters. What you have been given to you is for a purpose, and guess what? It's his purpose. It's not our purpose. So we don't get that right to gamble it away. We don't get that right to call it trash because when we call it trash, we're calling him trash. How about this? When you call others trash, you're calling him trash. When you look down on others' talents and abilities, guess where those talents and abilities came from? From him. From the master. That's a perspective that we got to keep. I know sometimes you look at your life, though, and you go, this is his work? This is really the best you could do, God? Like, I've seen you do better with others. Why not with me? you got to understand that he's not finished with you yet. That this is not the end of your story that there are more pages, that there are more chapters, and that we don't write them, he does. If it's not good yet, God's not done yet. you got to give him some time. 
Though you might go through hard seasons and your weeping may endure for a while, there will be joy in the morning, the Bible says. But you got to stick with it. Because, guys, it's not about how much he's given you to start. It's about what you do with it. Because I promise you this, if you are faithful, like the five-bag servant and the two-bag servant were, it will be more. That's my third point. We're almost done. It will be more. Zechariah chapter 4 says this. It says, don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings. What did one bag Brian do? He despised his small beginnings. I'm going to buy you a gift card. I promise. Okay? Whatever your favorite store is, it's yours tomorrow. Don't despise your small beginnings. Because it won't always be this way. See, the amount given to each servant was given according to their ability, but their current ability. How many in this room know that where you are now is not where you will always be? How many know that where you are now is not where you once were? You can look back in your life and go, man, I used to be terrible at that. How many things in your life can you go back and look at that from that perspective? Faithfulness, my friends, faithfulness changes everything. The proof is in this parable. Verse 23, put it up on the screen. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Faithfulness is what takes few things to many things. It's a necessary journey that you have to go through. Don't despise when you have the few. Just be faithful. Because the few will turn into many. One right now does not equal one forever. If one bag Brian had kept his talent out of the ground and used it, he would have had that same response, well done, my good and faithful servant, and he would have had the same reward that the five-bag servant had. Faithfulness changes things. If we can honor our master in the now, he will reward us in the next. He always does. And what's interesting about this story, I said it already, is that the master got five from one and two from the other, but the same reward was given to both. So if we're faithful with what we got, we will have the same reward. It's about faithfulness. It's about servanthood. I promise you, your one will be more. If, last point, point number four, if you will remain his servant and not put yourself on the throne. One bag Brian proved that he never was his servant. He wasn't looking for his master's good. He was looking for his own good. We know it because he said, God, you're a hard man. And you reap what you don't sow. I want you to ask yourself, and I have to ask myself when I read this, am I really acting like the Lord's servant? Am I looking at this life like it's mine, or am I looking at it like it's his? Whose does it belong to? Who, who do my possessions and my talents and abilities belong to? Who am I using them for? And you've got to be on guard to not believe the lie of the enemy, that the cards you've been dealt are unfair. And there's just no way you're ever going to make it. And let it paralyze you in fear. 
because there's no way this could ever be enough. That's what he did in verse 25. He said, so I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. But he wasn't afraid of his master, not a fear of the Lord. No, no, no. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's a good thing. No, he was afraid of failing. He was afraid of him not being enough because he only had one. They had two. They had five. What do we fear more in this life? Do we fear our master or do we fear failure? Because, y'all, comparison will make you take what God has given you and never give it its potential. Never take it where it should go. We can't let that be our story. We get so scared that it's not enough that we dig and we put it underground. It might be one right now, but I promise you, if you will work it, it will become many things. We're almost going back to worship, but I gotta just tell you one, one story. Y'all that have been coming here for a while, you know I went to law school. This is not what I wanted to do. I thought I was gonna be a lawyer and make money. I'm a fifth generation PK. Do you know what that means, PK? What is PK? One knows right there, it's not pastor's kid, it's poor kid, okay? So I was out to make some bags of gold, okay? That was my goal, not this stuff, mm -mm, not this. I wanted some bags of gold. I was done with that poor kid stuff. But I had a friend in law school, my best friend, who had this incredible talent of flipping stuff. Do you know anyone like that? Like they buy stuff for cheap and then they sell it for a lot. Anyone know someone like that? It's like they cruise Kijiji and Marketplace, and they must stay up till 4 a.m. every night. I don't know how they do it. And they just buy and they sell. This was my best friend. He was the best man at my wedding. And he got the bright idea one day that what he would start doing is flipping cars, buying a car and then selling a car. So I'm like, that's great, dude, except there was one problem. This guy knew nothing about cars. I mean, he barely knew where you put the gas into the car. Like, he literally knew nothing about cars. And he goes and he buys this 1967 Ford Mustang. It's not in good shape, so it wasn't expensive. He goes and he buys it, and he pays $7,000 for it. And he calls me, he goes, Ryan, I need your help. Can you come out here? I'm like, dude, that's two hours away. I know, but it's a standard transmission. I didn't know that. I don't know how to drive it. And I know you do, so can you come? I'm like, sure, dude. Okay, no problem. So I drive it. It overheats like four times on the way back to his house. I'm pouring water in the radiator. We don't have coolant. It's a bad story. We finally get it there. He goes, Ryan, what's wrong with it? I'm like, dude, I don't know. I'm not a mechanic. He's like, you know cars, just try. So my dad's taught me some things. He knows a lot about cars. And I finally figure out that the thermostat on the radiator is gone. So I go online, I order a new thermostat, and I replace it, and boom, the car's working again. This guy sells that Mustang, not for $7,000 that he paid. He flips it, and he sells it for $20,000. And you know what he did? Nothing. I did all of it. Everything. I drove it, I fixed it, I repaired it, I even detailed it for him. You know how much he gave me? Zero. I hope you're watching this one day on YouTube can tell it's a grudge that I haven't settled yet. I want my bag of gold. <laughs> this guy, he just knew how to work it. And he's still working it today. He's crushing it in law and he's making lots of money. He started with a little. When you're in law school, you are broke. They actually don't even let you get a job. 
because they say law school is too much work. So you're always trying to find side hustles. You're broke when you're in law school. He worked what he had. He started with a little, and now, trust me, he has a lot. Would somebody look to your neighbor and say, work it? Come on, say, work it. You got to work your one. It's not about what you start with, my friends. It's about what you do with it. Here's the whole question of the whole night. Can you still be faithful knowing that you got less? Or, or can you just get mad about it and get angry with your master and compare? Can you still be faithful knowing that you got less? Because don't forget, the reward is the same from changing one to two or two to four or five to ten. It's not about numbers with God. It's about your heart. That's why we've been singing this whole night. You can have my heart. Well, guess what? If you, if you can't give him your talents and abilities, you can't give him your heart. If, if you say, yeah, God, you have my heart, but I'll never give you a dollar, does he really have your heart? If you say, God, you can have my heart, but volunteer and serve anywhere, no, I'll never do that. Love her? Do you know what she said about me? <laughs> no way. The two go together. What I'm trying to tell you in so many words, we're going to go back to worship, but what I'm trying to tell you is that, my friends, it will be more. Do not despise the fact that maybe you feel like you just got one. One bag Brian has a bright future, I can tell. This guy is going places, even though he got one bag. Yes, give it up for him. It's not about what you start with. It's about what you do with it. Don't take your talent and put it in the ground. How about this? Don't take your talent and put it in the grave. There was a great man of God. His name was Dr. Miles Monroe. He was great friends with my father. You know, this guy's the only man who ever did this with me. He sat me down in a green room before he was preaching at Revival Time Tabernacle. Downsview, Toronto, and he told me to get down on my knees and gave me a word on my life, and he said, Brian, one day you're going to preach to thousands of people. I rebuked that word. I wanted to be a lawyer and make money. Uh Uh-uh, man of God, you don't know. (laughs) Something wrong with your connection right now. (laughs) This man, he had a quote. He said it like this. It, It will change your life. It changed mine. He said, the wealthiest place in the world, the wealthiest place in the world is not the gold mines of South America. It's not the oil fields of the Middle East. It's not the diamond mines of South Africa or the banks that hold all the gold in the world. He said this. He said, the wealthiest place in the world is right down the street. He said, the wealthiest place in the world is the cemetery. Because in the cemetery lies bestseller books that were never written. Inventions that they were too scared to ever try. Breakthroughs and advances that they were told they were never going to be good enough, so they never did. In the cemetery is the wealthiest place in the entire world. I don't want to see you take your talent and your abilities with you to the ground. That's what the servant did. He buried it in the ground, and it stayed there. God gave every single one of you, I don't care if you are 14 or 94, we have both in the room. 
I don't care how old you are. He gave you a talent and an ability for a purpose, and it is a good talent, a good ability, and a good purpose. Stop getting angry that you don't have what they have and start working it for his kingdom. If you will do that, my friends, you will not believe the breakthrough that you will see. And at the end of this life, you won't have to worry about the cemetery because you'll be hearing this, well done, my good and faithful servant. Would you get up on your feet? Worship team, you can come back up. This is the time where we get to worship. Jonathan, you can play those keys. What we have to understand is that our goal in this life is to be a faithful servant, not to be a master. Our goal in this life is not to be a famous son or daughter of the king, to be a wealthy son or daughter of the king. That may be in some of your purposes, and God uses those things. I'm not saying they're bad, but it's not the goal of your life or mine. The goal of our life is to be a faithful servant to our master. It's not about how much he's given you. It's about what you do with it. Don't let comparison be the great thief, thief of joy. You might go, I would never do that. Yeah, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go home tonight, and you're going to open up Instagram, and you're going to scroll, and you're going to compare your life to everyone else's life that you see. And if you're not careful while you do that, you will start resenting the fact that you don't have it. What you've got is a lot. Why do I know that? Because I know who gave it to you. And he doesn't give a little. One bag is still 80 pounds of gold. He has given you a lot. I said at the beginning, you can accept a trick or you can accept the truth. The truth is that you've got a lot. The trick is that the enemy doesn't want you to see it. He needs you to bury it because he can't stop it. The truth is not that our master is a hard man and that he reaps where he has not sown. The truth is that I, Ryan McVitie, I reap where I have not sown. I reap heaven. There is nothing I could ever do in my life to sow heaven. Heaven is provided to me because Jesus Christ shed his blood for the remission of my sin on the cross. Who am I to tell my master that he is unfair when he has done that for me and when he has done that for you? Number one, it's a lot. I know it doesn't always feel like it, but what he has given you is a lot. Number two, it's his. Don't forget that. It's his, and number three, what is his will one day be more if you will remain his servant. He is worthy of serving. He was worthy when you were young. He is worthy right now where you are, and he will still be worthy when you are old and gray. He is the only one worthy of your service. So right now, Let's make this a moment where we go to our master.
And we say, Master, I am but your humble servant. I don't care if you gave me one, two, or five. I'm just thankful that you would trust me. It's a lot. God doesn't want your works. He wants your heart. So right now we have a chance to change the orientation of our heart and to give it back to him and to sing to the only one who is worthy of possessing your heart. So would you just close your eyes right now as we begin to worship? And would you say, Lord, work on my heart. It's yours.